My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here as well, and it's a joy to welcome all of you. And I should have mentioned something to, to Kevin at the beginning of the service. We're going to be asking you to pray um, for um, Eddie Ip. Eddie was one of the young people who made profession of faith last week, and he was baptized here. Uh, Eddie and Jake Wearing actually went back to Hong Kong, where Eddie is from. Eddie's family is really strongly atheistic. And so we don't know what kind of greeting he's going to get, having made this commitment to Christ. In fact, we were nervous about putting stuff on Facebook for him. Um, and he said, do it. Tag me. Put me up there. And so just ask you to and, and just keep Eddie in prayer uh, as he tries to show the love of Christ to his family who might not like it. So let's actually just take a moment and pray right now. Father, we, we thank you for Eddie, for the way that, that you work through this church, through the Wearingas, to, to bring him to you. And Lord, as he's home for the summer now, um, we just pray for his family that, that they will uh, not be angry, but will see a, a newness in Eddie, a new life in him, and that, that through him you will uh, just draw them to you. And so uh, give them safety, both Eddie and, and Jake, and, and we just pray that you'll uh, bless them uh, during this summer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, and I just ask you to keep, keep Eddie in your prayers. It's, uh, it's a pretty big deal for him. So um, one of the biggest challenges many of us face is, is raising our kids or helping others raise their kids. The fact is, even if we don't have kids, all of us are involved in one way or another in having an impact on kids as they're growing up, whether it's nieces and nephews, cousins' kids, neighborhood kids, whether it's here at church, Sunday school kids, all of, us, all of us have that challenge of, of helping kids to grow and to learn and to become who God wants them to become. And, and for Tammy and I, one of the things we did constantly was just to ask others who had been through this process, say, what did you do at this point? How did you handle this? And, 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 and some of the wisest words that uh, I remember hearing from one of you had to do with when our kids got into that age, when our oldest just started to, uh, his friends started to get their driver's licenses. For those of you who are parents, you know that that changes the game, right? Up to that point, they need us. We can kind of have an idea of where they are. We drive them there. But when they're friends or when they get driver's licenses, all of a sudden it's like they can tell us they're here, but they're over there. And you don't have, and it's a really scary thing. But our kids all made it, and we only met a few police officers, so it was a good experience over the whole time. But anyway, you know, I mean, it, it, but it was really scary. And, and I was asking somebody once, and I said, you know, what did you do with that? And, and, and one of you said, you know, what we did with our kids when they got to that place where we knew they were going to be spending more and more time away from us is we said this to them over and over again. What they said was, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Don't, don't let the group control you. When you feel that peer pressure, when you feel that temptation, when you feel everybody around you and the culture around you trying to control you, remember who you are. Remember that you're loved. Remember that you're cared for. Remember what you've done and the commitments that, that you've made. You know, when you're hanging out on a Friday night and everybody else says, hey, let's drink some beers, to say, no, you're not, that's not who I am. I'm not going to go there. Or when Daryl says, hey, let's, let's go in the back of my truck and you guys all climb back there and I'll drive the, the, the 92nd Street Hills with the lights off at midnight. It'll be cool. <laughs> no, it's not. Don't be an idiot. Remember who you are. And, and so we really try to do that to our kids, to say, you know, remember who you are. Remember that, that you are loved, that you are cared for. Remember that, that you're supported, that you're valuable. Remember that you're strong. Remember who you are. And, and, and again, I just think it's a, that just it was at least something we could do to say when you're out there and you feel the pressure, you got to remember who you are. I think they're wise words for parents, but I think the Apostle Paul would have loved those words. 
I think the Apostle Paul would have loved those words because in one way, I think at the heart of of all of his letters and, and certainly the great majority of them, what Paul wants to say to those to whom he is writing is this, remember who you are. Remember who you are in Jesus Christ. Remember what he has done for you. Remember what happened when you surrendered all to Jesus Christ. Remember who you are and don't let anybody else impact that or change that. But remember who you are as you go into this world. Remember who you are as you're in your workplaces. In fact, if you kind of, the, the general outline of all of, almost all of Paul's letters is there's usually two parts. The first part is, is kind of that remember who you are. And then at some point Paul will say, and therefore, because this is who you are, now live this way. And if you go through, you can see it. There's this, remember who you are, and then therefore live this way. That's why I say the Apostle Paul, I think, would have really liked those words and would have liked that advice. And and we see it in almost all of Paul's letters. We certainly see it in the one we're going to spend time with this summer, in the letter to the Ephesians. Paul there, it's the first three chapters are going to be, this is who you are. And and, and then the second part is going to be, the next three chapters are going to be, this is how you live. This is how you live. He's writing to uh, the Christians in Ephesus in the surrounding area. We're going to do more of this, but I want to give you just a little bit at the beginning here of, uh, of what's going on, because I think in a lot of ways, our situation is pretty parallel to the people that Paul is writing to in this book. I think it can be really powerful for us this summer. The fact is they lived in very confusing times. Okay, they, they lived in really confusing times. They had been, the area where Paul is writing to, those, those people had lived kind of in isolation. Okay, they hadn't had all sorts of influences around them. Others had kind of run over them and gone back and forth. But for the most part, they, they were pretty quiet living in their own little bubble maybe like West Michigan, and, and, but, but the world was getting bigger and smaller at the same time, right? And they were getting all these other influences. The Roman Empire, the Roman Empire was flexing its muscles, okay? And, 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 and that had a huge level of influence. And, and I, I've said it before, but we need to understand, when we think about the Roman Empire, we need to understand it wasn't just, it wasn't just a matter that they were threatening everybody, It wasn't that the Roman Empire came along and said, bow the knee to Rome or we will destroy all of you, we will kill all of you. The fact of the matter is Rome grew as much by attraction. People wanted to be with Rome because Rome was security, Rome was wealth, Rome was power. And and, and in some ways, and and I just want you to think about this because I think it's helpful and and, and let's not get too, don't push this too hard, but in some ways the way I look at it is in some ways like the United States today. And, and here's what I mean by that. You know, I look at it, I'm biased, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I don't see the United States saying, oh, we want to go conquer the world. But I see a number of other folks, and some people hate us, and maybe whatever, but, but a number of folks would love to be a part of the United States, right? We'll be the 51st state, because if you're a part of the United States, guess what? You got security. If, if you have a guarantee of the United States Army behind you, you got security, you got economic support. Do you know how many nations would love to have the economic support, the economic ties, the trade values, all those things? There are a number of nations that, in a sense, would love to become part of. That's the way it was with the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was there, and people were like, can we be a part of you? Because we want you to protect us. We want you to take care of us. And, 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 and all of the area where Paul is writing was basically was a part of this. And they loved the Roman Empire. They wanted to be a part of it. They said, build your cities here. And Rome was flexing its muscles and, and building, well, in Ephesus, they built a 30,000-seat stadium for plays. 
And guess what? Entertainment does the same thing now that it did back then, right? What do we, we, you know, we talk about it. Where do people get values? One of the places is the storytellers, right? The movies that come out. They tell us, that Rome recognized that, so they told the stories. They made the plays, and, and they had the schools, and they did all of this stuff. And, and so these people in this part of the world, and particularly the Christians, were struggling because there's this powerful culture around them. There's this powerful culture around them that's, that's flexing its muscles, and the world was getting smaller. With, with Rome, one of the things that happened, and it, it, in some ways, it's, it's like the internet, okay? Because one of the things that happened with Rome is, is that they said there's one language for the whole world. Everybody speaks Latin. They built roads. They made travel. They did trade. And all of a sudden, the people in Egypt could talk to the people in Greece, and the people in Israel could talk to, because everybody could speak the same kind of language. And, and, it, and just like in, 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 in the, with the Internet, where all of a sudden something happens in Japan, and we know it two seconds later here. There's a, a trend, a cultural t- trend in India, and, it, and, and we know about it here because of Twitter and all the social media. Now, obviously, it wasn't the same in that day, but it was that kind of a change, Okay, it was that kind of a change in the world where all of a sudden you, you, you were talking to people from all kinds of different places. People were traveling in different ways, and the world was getting smaller, and, and right and wrong were up in the air. If, again, when there's that much influence, when there's that much kind of stuff, and again, I think about it, and, and I don't know how much you've thought about it. I haven't all that much, but the fact is, whether we like it or not, most of us had to think about Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner in the last two weeks. And try to figure out, okay, God, no, God caused me to love everybody. What does that mean? And, and, you know, we're not used to that in West Michigan. We liked it better when we didn't have to think about those things, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, right and wrong is a little more up in the air. It's a little more confusing. We're not exactly sure what it means to love. It was getting tougher and tougher for the Christians, okay? More difficult for that. And, and, and so these Christians in this area that Paul is writing, they're saying, you know, where do we fit? What is our place in this world? And, and in some ways, I, I, like I say, I think that, I, 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 honestly, there are just a whole lot of things that I go, I'm not sure how this is going to look. It, it, it feels to me the world continues to change. And the, what does it mean? How, what, what's the relationship between, between my Christian views and the laws of the land? You know, 50, 60 years ago, we said, well, they should be the same. And now we say, no, they shouldn't. Uh, how, do we, how do we relate to these things? How does it all... And, and, and so, in a sense, I think Paul might well send this letter to us. He might send Ephesians to us and say, hold on, time out. Because what Paul does in Ephesians, the heart of what he does in Ephesians is he, he tells us who we are and how we fit in what God is doing. He tells us, you know, what God's going on and, and, and so on and says, okay, this is who you are. Okay, remember this. Remember who you are and, and, and remember your place. And so the entire series is going to be called Finding Our Place. All right, finding our place, and, and, and I think that's what Paul helps us do in, in Ephesians, a local map, and then if you pay really close attention, you can see inside the O of our, uh, a, a global map to say, you know, where do we fit? Where do we fit in God's hands and, and, and in God's plans? And so, now, th- this morning, and uh, some of you will say, oh, this is fun. Some of you will say, oh, I hate this sermon. Um, my daughter yesterday said, what are you doing? And I said, well, we're starting Ephesians. Oh, it's another introductory one, background work. Yep, Kaylee, it's background work, okay? So we're going to do some of that, and, and we're going to ask three questions. But uh, if you say, ah, this stuff doesn't interest me, stick with me as best you can. But then the third question will, okay? All right, so the first question we're going to look at is, who wrote this letter? Second question we're going to look at is, to whom was the letter to the Ephesians written? 
It might actually be a trick question. <laughs> and then the third one is, you know, what, what's the most important thing, important thing to know about our place in the world? In verse 1, we get the answer. And, 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 and that's where, if you say, I need a word from the Lord this morning, that's where you will hear God speaking to us, okay? So let's start with just, again, some of the background information. It's really helpful. Who wrote this letter? Uh, the answer comes in the very first word of the letter. Ephesians 1, verse 1, Paul. An apostle of Christ uh, Jesus by the will of God. Now, in those days, you, you did something that was a lot smarter than what we do, right? If you get a three-page letter in the mail, what do you do? You turn to the end so you know who it's from. You want to know who it's from. So you, why do we put it at the end? They put it at the beginning, okay? We have regressed. It makes more sense, right? You need to know where it is. So it was, that's, it's, it's from Paul, right? And I, I, I think it is, and I think that's pretty clear. So who wrote the letter? I, I, I think it was Paul. What do we know about Paul? What do we know about Paul? Well, one of the words that I don't have listed on here that I thought, the one thing you really need to know about Paul is passion. Wherever Paul was, is he was passionate about whatever he was doing. He was not a guy who just kind of sat back. He was a guy who jumped in, and he was passionate about all that he did. He was Jewish, uh, just like Jesus. He was raised in that tradition. He, he was passionate about that tradition. At 30 years old, he was one of the leaders in the Jewish community. Uh, he had persecuted Christians, okay? He'd been, uh, you know, committed to fighting against the Christians because he was so passionate about the faith of the fathers. He was so passionate about what God had taught through Abraham and Isaac and, and, and Jacob and all the way down the line. He, that's what he believed in. And, and, and he was so frustrated with these Christians who tried to change things and make things new. But then one time when he was going to kill Christians, he met Jesus Christ and he became a Christian. And he did perhaps the most radical 180 of anybody, right? I mean, he's on his way to kill Christians and then he becomes one. Just absolutely committed. And, and again, he's passionate, right? So he becomes a missionary, and he becomes the missionary to the Gentiles. He makes three major mission trips during his life, each one lasting a number of years. During his third mission trip, he spent two to three years in Ephesus, okay? Remember that. We'll come back to that. But he spent three to, two to three years in Ephesus, and he used that as a base to kind of preach to a number of different areas, all right? Now it's seven to ten years later, and Paul is in jail in Rome, and he's probably 60 to 65 years old. I picture Paul being about 5'5". Five, five. He wasn't a monster of a guy, but he was a monster of a heart, right? He's about 5'5". Five, five. He's getting older. This is well beyond the average age. And, and he's still got fire in his belly. All right? He's still just passionate. And he's in Rome, and he knows that these Christians in, in Ephesus in that area are struggling. And he, and, he, and he just wants to say, come on, remember who you are. Don't give in. Don't give up, you know. Again, th- th- you got to remember, Jesus said, I'm coming back soon. So, so this is 30 years after Jesus left, after he, you know, ascended into heaven. And it's like, dude, what's going on? Why aren't you back yet? And, 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 and so Paul just wants to say, his heart is, is just so deep to say, I, I, I just want you to know who you are and to remember the spiritual blessings you have in Christ. A couple of things that Paul himself highlights. First of all, Paul says, I'm an apostle of Christ. And, and that word apostle means I'm a sent one, okay? That, that was a, a specific job and task that Paul says, I, I, I'm called to this, and I'm sent in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and he makes it really clear, by the will of God, by the will of God. I think Paul is saying, you know, I didn't claim this on my own, all right? This is not something that I said, you know, I want to do this because I want to be an apostle. I want to be important. No, Jesus Christ called me. The will of God sent me. And, and that's why I'm doing what I do. So who wrote the letter? Paul. 
Next question, to whom was the letter written? Who was the letter to the Ephesians written? The answer is to the Ephesians, right? Obvious, right? At one level, it certainly seems there. Let's go to the rest of verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's who it's written to, the people in Ephesus. Well, just a minute. We've got to think a little bit here, okay? A couple of things. There, there are three things that raise some questions about whether this is just to the people in Ephesus, all right? First thing I want you to notice, and again, this is technical, but you've you got to know these things, I think. You've got to understand this about the Bible because people will challenge you on this. You notice this. There's a footnote above in Ephesus, letter A there. If you go down to letter A, and, and this is in the New International Version, so it, it says this, some early manuscripts do not have in Ephesus. And what they really mean is the best early manuscripts. The best early manuscripts we have of this do not say to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. They say to God's holy people, the faithful in Christ Jesus. It wasn't there in a number of the copies. Now, that doesn't prove it never was there. It doesn't prove, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it got lost or something and then found later on. But it seems like Paul didn't initially write those words. And so you start to say, is it really to the Christians in Ephesus? Or is it not? And then the second thing that raises questions, if, if you look at your Bibles in, in 115, I mean, Ephesians 115 says this, for this reason, Paul says, ever since I, that's odd, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. If Paul was in Ephesus for two to three years, why did he say here? Right? Ever since I saw Ever since I knew, ever since I saw God, if I were to leave this church and then write a letter back and say, hey, I've heard that you're doing this, and, and, and if it was something that I knew, I mean, I, I would say, no, I saw this. I saw, I know about your love. I know about your faithfulness because I had been a part of it. I'd seen it. Now, again, maybe this is, again, seven to ten years later, so maybe Paul is saying he's heard about their, their faith since then. And so, again, it's not a guarantee, but it raises a question. Because in other letters, Paul is very clear about saying, look, I, I, I remember well. I saw well. And then a third thing that's kind of odd about this, if it's written to the Ephesians, is that there's no personal greetings from Paul. Usually in Paul's letter, at some point, he'll say, hey, tell Bob I said hi. Tell Susan and Sally to stop fighting. Tell, tell, you know, and, and he'll have some words like that. Again, even to Romans, where he never was until later on in his life, he wrote the letter before he went there. He had a, a whole chapter of greetings to people because he knew some people in the church. So, and there's none of that here. There, there's no greeting. So, so you know, what, what's the deal? Is it, not, is it not really written to the Christians in Ephesus? To whom was the letter to the Ephesians written? What I want to suggest, and uh, obviously I'm not the first one to suggest this because you don't want to go with my suggestions, but what I think the best of the Bible teachers suggest is, is that this is written to the Christians in Ephesus and Asia Minor. Okay, it's written not just to one church, but to a number of churches. It's what we might call a circular letter. And so Paul wasn't writing just to the Christians in Ephesus. That's why he doesn't send greetings. He's writing to seven or eight or nine or ten churches. Let me show you a map here. Um, again, this is the Mediterranean Sea. This is the world, basically, at the time that Paul is writing. You see Italy over there, the boot. Africa on the bottom. Egypt is there. Jerusalem is um, over here, okay? That's where the church started. That's where, um, again, Paul was when he left to persecute Christians. And, and so Jerusalem is there. Paul is now in Rome over there in Italy. And this area right here is called Asia Minor, okay? This is Asia Minor. I should have put another, another let me, I don't know if you can see that dot there. But that little line right there, and over here, it's right here. That, that separates Europe from Asia, 
okay? That's the place where Europe and Asia, and, and so that's why I say, you know, you've got, you got uh, the Greek, Greece here, which was the Greek Empire, then the Italy and the Roman Empire here, and, and so this area was just never all that important, okay? This area, not all that important, Greece, Italy, and so on, and, and, and that's why I say they're kind of in their own little corner of the world, and, and, and so if we zoom in on that, on that area, you'll see seven stars. Those are the seven churches that John wrote to in Revelation. And so you can kind of see here's Ephesus um, right there. And then there's kind of a circle you could make, all right? And, and so what makes the most sense to me is that, you know, Paul wrote this letter to, yeah, to the Ephesians, but it was also to the Laodiceans and the, the Christians in Philadelphia and Thyatira. And, 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 and in that whole area, Paul, if he was in Ephesus for two or three years, I'm sure visited Christians in all of this area. And, and, and so he's, he's writing to all of them. In fact, one suggestion is that the reason that the name in Ephesus isn't in the earliest manuscript is that Paul, when he gave the letter to Tychicus, it, it left it blank. And, and so it was just to, to God's holy people in, and when he was in Ephesus and reading the letter, he'd say in Ephesus. And when he was in Colossae, he'd say in Colossae. And when he was wherever he was, he'd, he'd fill in the blank. There's no evidence for that, but it, it would make sense. So that, that's why I say I think that, that, you know, for Paul, what it is is it, it's Christians in Ephesus and Asia Minor. On the one hand, that makes it tougher because there's not one specific thing that Paul is addressing, not one specific community on the other hand, the niceness about this is Paul's writing a very general letter that, that is so applicable for us. He's writing a general letter about who we are and who the church is and what unity means. And, and, and so even though we can't get specific on everything, we can recognize that, that there were some challenges, and, and, and Paul is addressing those in general. Let me real quick touch on three of them, all right? Three of the challenges. The first I've mentioned already, just touch on it, the Roman Empire. It was so tempting for these Christians. That was so powerful. And, and, and again, Rome defined what the good life was. Think about it for us. You know, Rome said, this is the good life. It's, you know, 2.3 chariots and this and that. And, 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 and the culture around us defines what the good life is, is your house and your SUV and the, you know, 2.3 kids and all this stuff. And, and it's just tough to figure out what does Christ call us to be? How do we separate what's culture and what's Christ? And, and how do we live in a culture as strong as this one is and as attractive in many ways as this one is? So there's the Roman Empire. There were also other religions. They, they lived in an area, this Asia Minor area, had a number of other religious activities going on that Paul's going to address. Angels and demons were big in this area. When we get to chapter 6, Paul is going to say, you know, our, flight, our fight is not with flesh and blood, right, but with principalities and power. That, that famous passage, some of you may know it. But, but you know, I mean, and, and, and so people in this area, they were big in curses. They were big in, in magic and witchcraft and all that stuff. And so Paul is going to address that. Put that in the back of your mind as part of what Paul is doing. And then there was Artemis. Artemis had her temple in Ephesus. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. The Greek is also Diana, uh, and so that's why sometimes you might say it was great as Diana of the Ephesians, right? No, this Rome, Artemis is the Roman name. Greek, uh, Diana is the Greek name. She was the goddess of fertility. If you've seen pictures of her, uh, she is the woman who has a whole lot of breasts, all right? And what that represented, again, we're back to the economy. Watch the elections in the next year and a half. It's the economy, stupid, right? It's the economy. Who's going to create more jobs? Artemis created jobs. The temple in Artemis was there to create economy for the whole world. And in fact, it was one of the largest banking centers in the entire world. Kind of a twofer. You want to invest in Artemis. You went to the temple. That's where you kept your money, in the temple. 
and, and it was a bank, and you, they charged interest, but they could make you, you know, I mean, they could give you interest as well. And so it was the economy, and, and, and again, so it was praise Rome from whom all blessings flow, praise Artemis from whom all blessings flow. And, and then there was emperor worship itself. Caesar is Lord. And, and again, about 100 years before Paul wrote this letter, that's when there was this thing called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. And, 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 and Caesar Augustus was one of the first Caesars to say, I am a god. I am a god, and you should worship me as such. And in Asia Minor, this is fascinating, I think. In Asia Minor, the, 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 that territory made three declarations um, in, in the years preceding Paul, uh, but after Augustus. The first one they, they made was that Caesar Augustus is the soter of the world, the savior of the world. The second one they made is they changed all the calendars so it coincides so that the center of time is the birth of Caesar Augustus. And then the third declaration is they declared the day that Caesar was born a day of good tidings and great joy to all people. And if that sounds at all like the Charlie Brown special where Linus is reading Luke 2, it's a lot like that, isn't it? I I mean, this was declared before Jesus. But when, when Luke writes those words, when the angels come and they say about the birth of Jesus, this is good news of great joy to all on whom his favor rests. That is a steal from from what they said about the birth of Caesar Augustus. And so you've got this huge conflict, challenge, difficulty going on about who really is Lord. And the culture around them is going, it's Caesar from whom all blessings flow. And for the Christians, again, it was a challenge. And and then the third area of challenge, so again, Roman Empire, other religions, third area of challenge is just the Jewish and the Gentile Christians trying to get along. Um, It's it's like, you know, I mean, they hated each other. The Gentiles hated the Jews. The Jews hate the Gentiles. And now Paul says, hey, you're brothers and sisters. In, in, In some ways, it's different. But imagine one of your brothers or sisters marrying somebody from the KKK. It's like, dude, we cannot be. Now that's, but, but you know, that kind of animosity, that kind of struggle. It's like, oh, now we're all supposed to sit together in the same church. Now we're supposed to get along. It's tough. Now, they're, they're not, I'm not saying Gentiles or Jews are KKK. That's where it falls apart. Don't go there. But I'm just, they're that different. There's that much change. There's that much, you know, whatever it is. I mean, maybe, you know, if you're a Michigan State family and your kids marry a Michigan fan or something, I don't know, or heaven forbid Notre Dame. I mean, what in the world? Anyway, but you, that sense of, there's this, and, and now they got to get along. All right, so to whom was it written, these Christians? And we'll kind of come back to those themes. And let's, let's end with some gospel here. Let's end with some good news, all right? What's the most important thing to know? And, and, and here's where I want to just say, friends, if, if we can get this right, Paul is going to give us three words in verse 1. Three words in verse 1 that are the center of the entire letter. They are the center of Paul's theology. They are the center of what we need to believe. They are, if I can give you one thing to say about who you are in Christ, if there's one thing I can give you about who you need to remember who you are, it's these words, all right? Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul says that's who you are. You are in Christ Jesus. That is our place. Our place is to be in Christ. We are hidden in Christ. We are surrounded by Christ. And if you want to know, as you live in this world, what I want you to think about is just say, you know what? As I go to work tomorrow, I am in Christ Jesus. He is going before me. He is behind me. He is beside me. He is above me. He is below me. I am in Christ Jesus. And and if I can make that the core of my identity, 
30 times in this letter, Paul is going to use not this exact phrase, but he's going to talk about being in Christ Jesus. Next week, Daniel's going to talk about verses 3 to 14. Read them this week because there are nine places there. And again, it's not as clear in the English, but where it's, we just thank God for the blessings we have in Jesus and being selected to him. And, 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 and we are forgiven in Christ and, and accepted in Christ and safe in Christ and powerful in Christ and together in Christ and new creatures in Christ. We are in Christ. And, and, and when you face challenges and temptations at work tomorrow, say, I'm in Christ Jesus. What do, how do I live? Yes, I am in this world, but I'm in this world in Christ Jesus. I have been forgiven in him. I have been washed in him. I have been redeemed in him. And, and, and for those of you who are struggling right now, maybe, maybe there's just some real difficult stuff going on. And, and you just feel like life is dumping on you. Then I want you to say, I got to remember who I am, that I am, I am in Christ and Christ is holding me, and Christ is wrapping his arms around me. There is no better place to be than in Christ Jesus. And if you're not in him, then talk to me after the service. Talk to Daniel after the service. But for those of us who are, you know, I think about it when we say, well, how do we talk about in our culture about Caitlyn Jenner? How do we do, you know what? We start by saying, I'm in Christ. I'm forgiven. I've been washed. What does that mean about how I now love in this world? And, and if we could just stop ourselves and in the face of every temptation, in the face of every difficulty, in the face of every struggle, if we could just say, help me to remember who I am. I am in Christ Jesus. This is Paul's major phrase throughout this letter and throughout his other letters, to be in Christ. And what we're going to really unpack all summer is to say, what does it mean to be in Christ what does it mean to, 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 for us in terms of our salvation, in terms of new life? What does it mean in terms of how we love and serve and give? What does it mean for us to be hidden in Christ, to be connected in Christ, to be surrounded by Christ? That's who we are. So uh, this week, remember who you are in all that you do, in all that happens. Remember that we are in Christ Jesus. And in him, we can find life in its fullest. Let's pray together. Father, a lot of information. I know we're not going to remember a lot of it, but help us just to remember this last part. Think about those Christians so long ago trying to figure out they were nobodies. They, they just had their little bubble and they liked it and didn't like the world coming around. And now the world had come around and it was impacting them. Paul says, look, you're in Christ. You're okay. You're going to make it. Say that to us, Father. Remind us that we are in Christ Jesus. Father, for any of us who aren't, for any of us who are still kind of exploring, help us to give us the courage to find that safe place in Christ. Give us the courage to, to hide ourselves and, and, and then to love and to serve and to go into this world clothed with Christ in all that we say and all that we do. It is in Christ Jesus that we pray. Amen. Will you please stand to receive God's parting word of blessing and benediction. Again, following our service, there are going to be some folks from Hillside in the prayer room. If you'd like to talk with somebody, pray with somebody, uh, they'd be happy to meet you. People of God, as we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with us. And may we learn to live the amazing truth that we are in Christ Jesus. We are loved, accepted, safe, hidden, together in Christ Jesus. Go in his grace. Amen.